0: I was told a story this week about a man, about some men in a Japanese war camp in Thailand. And what happened is one of the shovels that they were using uh, went missing. And so all of the prisoners were lined up and told that unless the person who stole the shovel came forward, a man stepped forward and he confessed. (coughs) And he was shot. Everyone else was spared. After this... They recounted the shovels, stepped forward, and gave his life for his fellow prisoners. I would do that. But I know that in that moment, it wouldn't be an easy decision to make, would it? I think maybe the thoughts going through my head would probably be about myself. I think I'm more likely to be one of the other guys standing there thankful for that guy who just sacrificed himself. In our passage today, Jesus is calling us to lay down our lives for each other, for the church, our brothers and sisters in Christ. Especially when it means changing ourselves, it's why diets rarely work or getting rid of addictions is hard. Change is hard. So how do we change that we would be people who would lay down our life so that we'd also do it here on a Sunday morning and through the week? Our brothers and sisters in Christ. Well, as we look at our passage today, there is some good news. If we believe in Jesus, He changes us. And to explore this change, which we see in 1 John chapter 3, we're going to look through the lens of verse 9, particularly, where it says, No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him. So let's break that down. For lasting change, we need to be born of God. Verse 9 begins, No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. Now to be born is to have new life. There is something about when a baby is born that is new. They take their first gasp of air. They weren't in the world, but now they are. And on that day when they exit the mother's womb, they will experience life differently. They can now see, even if they're seeing things a little blurry. They can hear. They can touch. And so with us when we are born again in God's family, we are new, we are changed. See, at that moment when we believe in Jesus, when we acknowledge that he is God's son who came into the world, the moment we first believed as we sing in the song Amazing Grace. We are born of God. We are born into God's family. We are made new. We have a new family. And not only do we have a new family, but we are born into a very privileged position in this new family. When we are born in God's family, we are included as God's children. And God is our heavenly Father. And don't just take my word for it. Look at verse 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are, John says. This is a great privilege. We're not just in God's family as a cousin, twice removed from the family. You know, there are rumors that uh, in our family tree, on my mum's side, that we can trace all the way back to William the Conqueror. It's a bit of a boast. I was related to William the Conqueror. And that's tracing back generations and generations. And actually, it might not even be true. But we still boast about it. How much better our boast when we can say, I am God's child. God is my heavenly father. Wow. If you believe in Jesus. You are changed. You're born again. You are now in the family of God. So not only now are you in a new family, but you also have a new relationship with God. He is our Heavenly Father. Now how is this possible? Well, it's possible because Jesus Christ appeared and He will appear again. Jesus appeared in the past 2000 years ago and when he appeared he came to deal with the very thing that stopped us from being in a relationship with God our sin Uh, John here describes sin as lawlessness in verse 4 and lawlessness is rebellion it's a disregard for the rules of society, it's doing what you see fit in your own eyes and Ned Kelly, the infamous bank robber, he was lawless disregarding the rules of society. Well, lawlessness with regards to God is us ignoring God and his ways and us doing what we see fit in our own eyes, where Ned Kelly's towards God, if you like. Now, that doesn't mean the world is necessarily going to see us as rebels, but that God sees us as rebels. And this is where we see God's love, lavish love, verse 5 but you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sin jesus the one in whom was no sin came to take away our sins by his death on the cross we were rebels but god loved us and jesus paid the price so that we're no longer rebels but children and we're fundamentally changed by this and when Jesus appears again, that change is going to be complete. In verse 2, dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Our status as children of God is certain, but the world can't see it yet. We still look like every other human, we still sound like every other human. But we are different. We are fundamentally different because we are new, we are reborn. And we are in God's family. And when Jesus appears, when we see him, it will be revealed that we are his children, that we're in his family. And we will be changed completely. We will have hearts like his, a love like his. We will sin no more. We will have resurrection bodies. It will be glorious. We will be in the new creation where there will be no more crying or pain. That is the Christian hope. So when we become part of the family, we are changed. And we are constantly being transformed. And one day when Jesus appears, that transformation will be complete. And so we are fundamentally changed. We have a whole new relationship with God. Instead of being rebels, we get to sit down at the family dinner table. We get to call God our Father. And this fundamental change is going to help us to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters in Christ. But before we explore that further, we need to know that God loves you. He's lavished his love upon you. If you have faith in Jesus this morning, he loves you as his child. Now we live in a world where not all fathers love are perfect. Actually, even the father of the year, whoever that might be, their love is not perfect. They don't perfectly love their children. But God loves us perfectly. He is love. And he loves you. He doesn't just put up with you. He doesn't just endure you. He loves you. If your faith is in Jesus, you're his child. What a privileged position in the family of God. And God loves us in spite of our circumstances. He loves us when things are going well, when things are not going well. How do we know? Because Jesus has paid for our sins. He's brought us into his family. We are born of God. God has lavished his love on us. I don't know about you, but there are moments when I forget this and I forget that God loves me so much because I'm human and I'm sinful. But how good is it to be reminded of how much God loves us and that we're in his family, that we're his children and he's our heavenly father. What a great blessing. And if you're here this morning and you don't have faith in Jesus, know this. God loved you enough to send his son Jesus to die for you and God wants you this morning to turn to him and when you do turn to him you will be included in God's family So through Jesus we have a new family we have a new relationship with God But the next thing we see is also we have new values and coming back to verse 9 we are born of God And because we're born of God, we do not keep on sinning. Uh, The children of God have a different walk, a different way of life. We can no longer keep living as rebels. Now, it doesn't mean that we won't sin, but that the orientation of our life will be towards not sinning. We will live according to God's family values. Verse 6. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. You can't live in the family and not have the family values. See, John's logic is simple. If we are made righteous by Jesus, we will live that out. If you claim to be righteous but don't live righteously, well, are you really righteous? Verse 7, it says, The one who does what is right is righteous. In John's time, there were people who were claiming to be righteous but not living it out. So are they really righteous? And to help us think about it, it's like someone who says they're on a diet, that they're not going to eat any sugary treats. But then they don't change what they're eating. They still eat those double choc-chip cookies from Coles. And they still eat the chocolate treats at the cafe. And if a person's eating habits haven't changed, well, are they still on a diet? We'd say no. If someone says they are righteous and not living righteously, are they righteous? We'd say no. And according to John, anyone who does not do right and is not righteous is not God's child, in verse 10. But instead they are of the devil. Now, the devil is real. The devil has been sinning from the beginning, we learn in verse 8. He is the original lawless one, the original Ned Kelly towards God. And one who is of the devil, in verse 8, does what is sinful, not what is righteous. The devil seeks to lead people in his path of rebellion, to tempt people away from God's ways, to lead us in continued rebellion against God. Now, you don't need to see the devil. You don't even need to acknowledge the devil to be of the devil. Because like a child of God has the values of one being in his family, righteous. So someone not in God's family has the values of the devil. An inherent rebellion against God. You can't be in God's family and continue to rebel against God. Uh, John gives the example of Cain. As someone who was of the devil. Uh, Cain was Abel's brother and Cain killed his brother Abel. It was murder in the first degree. Premeditated. Brutal. Instead of laying down his life for his brother, he did the opposite. He took it. Well, all humanity has that same capacity in our hearts for hate. We might not be going around murdering people. But... That same rebellion against God lives in our hearts. That same disdain for listening to God's word. That same attitude of wanting to put ourselves first before others. That's what it means to be of the devil. To have an orientation of rebellion against God. To to do what is fit in our own eyes. John here is not talking about sex of devil worshippers. Though I'm sure they'd be included. But he's talking about the seed that is in everyone. That is what it means to be of the devil. But we need to remember that Jesus appeared to take away our sins, to forgive them, to wipe them clean. It says in verse 5 that Jesus was sinless. There was no rebellion in him. And he laid down his life for us in verse 16. Jesus died to forgive our rebellion against God so that we can be born again. And when we are born again, our orientation to life completely changes. Instead of walking in rebellion, we want to walk in righteousness. See, when we join God's family, we take on the family values. We start living as a member of that family. We're not going to seek to rebel against our father, but we want to live with him as our father. In different families, they do things differently, don't they? there are different values and expectations in each family and if you're not part of the family it can all seem a little bit strange. I remember the first uh, dinner that I went and had with Beck's family. Uh, Dinner at my house was always really loud and a bit chaotic whereas dinner at Beck's house was not. It was very quiet, it was very ordered Uh, They said grace before their meals and had a devotion afterwards. My family was not Christian, so this was just very strange and new to me. The food was different. Now, I'm now part of that family by marriage, and having dinner at Beck's family's house is not very weird anymore. It's actually, I'm probably now part of the weirdness when I'm there. But it's the same with God's family. And When we first enter God's family, there are some things about being part of God's family that seem a bit weird and a bit different. But as we continue to, to meet with God's family, we become part of that weirdness. We are transformed. We love righteousness, not rebellion. We're not of the devil anymore. We are of God. And sin has no place in the family of God. Not as a church, not individually. And so that's why John writes in verse 9, no one born of God makes a practice of sinning. Instead, we seek to live righteously. So what, what a change being in the family of God makes. We have a, a new family, a new relationship with God, a new way of living, but we also have a new relationship with each other and we are called to love one another and it's all these new relationships that is actually going to help us to lay down our lives for one another it makes sense right that when you're in a new family that you get to love that family see we are now God's seed in verse 9 it says no one born of God makes a practice of sinning for God's seed abides in him We are changed. We have God's seed in us and that seed will produce in us fruits of righteousness. Like here in Kununurra, when a farmer or gardener plants a seed, they plant it hoping that it will grow and bear fruit or wheat or corn or whatever it might be that they're growing. Well, when we are born of God, we have his seed in us that produces a fundamental change, one where we can love others and live out God's family values. And the example we're given of how to live out those family values is Jesus. In verse 16, this is how we know what love is Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Do you see the connection? Jesus laid down his life, and we ought to lay down our lives. We began the sermon thinking about this question. What would it take for you to lay down your life? It's a hard question. Would you take a bullet for your family, your friends? I think we all admire the guy who gave up his life to save his fellow prisoners. But there's a real question about whether we would do the same. What would the circumstances have to be? What motivation would you have to have? But here is the real pointy end of this question for us this morning. You can answer that question and think about it and kind of, well, maybe, maybe I would, maybe I wouldn't, but actually there's a real practical pointy end, and it is, would you lay down your life for your brother and sister Christians? And not in just extraordinary circumstances, but in everyday life. There are some practical examples here of what this might look like. Verse 17. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech but with actions and in truth. We lay down our life in our actions. We can't just say we love one another and then not do anything. Makes sense, right? God will produce. God will work in us to produce this in us, but it is still something that we need to be intentional about. Love that puts others first. Love that listens before speaking. Love that sees a need and fills it. Love that. Serve serve selflessly without grumbling or complaining. Love that looks out for one another. Love that helps each other when we need a hand. Love that forgives others when they hurt you or disrespect you. Love for others that prays for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Love that wants to see our brothers and sisters in Christ grow to maturity in Christ. And will do things to help that. You know, one way that we can love each other as a church is by intentionally talking to someone that you don't normally talk to. Taking the time to get to know them. And no one likes going into a church that is filled with social cliques and we need to make sure that we don't become that. And the way we can do that is by talking to others. Because it's when we chat to others and when we get to know them that God will provide us opportunities to show love. So no matter how hard or how annoying or how inconvenient it might be, we get to love each other. What a great blessing. We get to lay down our lives for each other. Because it cost Jesus to love us, didn't it? It says he had laid down his life for us. And we should expect that as we seek to love each other and lay down our lives for each other, that it will cost us as well. It will cost us in time, in energy, in money. It might mean not doing the things we want to do. Um, One of the examples I thought of this morning was the Apostle Paul. He gave up meat for the sake of loving his brothers and sisters in God's family. Are you willing to lay down your life for your brothers and sisters in Christ? Now, I've seen this abused. I've seen Christians show a lack of love to others while at the same time complaining that they're not being loved. Uh, this command to lay down our lives is not, does not mean we get to command others to love us. No, it's a command for us to love others. We don't get to say things like, well, Francine didn't love me, so I'm not going to show her love in return. We can't use other people's lack of love as an excuse for our own lack of love. Jesus laid down his life for us while we were sinners, while we were rebels. That is the love that we need to show each other. Undeserving, gracious love. Love that is actions and truth. Not only words and speech. And as we love each other, as we get together as a family and live with each other as a family, that's going to stand out. Yeah, as, as the church and the world becomes more hostile uh, to us who are in God's family, who are born of God, the thing that is going to attract people to Jesus is seeing his disciples, us, practice the love that she, he showed us to each other. Because the community, the family community that God creates in Jesus is something good. It's something that our world wants. something our world needs. And when people, people will see us living out Jesus' love, they will see it. And we will have the opportunity to share Jesus with them And they too will have the opportunity to join his family. How good that we get to be part of God's family. And so what's the key to being in God's family? Well, it's there in verse 23. And this is his command that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. We have to believe in Jesus believe that he came and laid down his life for our sin and when we believe that when we are born of god and made new into his family that will produce in us the second thing in verse 23 where it says and love one another just as he has commanded us john is saying that the, the two things go together believing in the name of jesus and loving one another go together that it's impossible to do the first to believe in jesus and to not do the other To love one another because if we're in the family of god we will love the family of god so are you willing to lay down your life god is the one who has made the change in our lives he has taken us from being rebels to children he's given us this new seed a new family new relationships jesus is giving us the lasting change that we need to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters in christ I want you to imagine for a moment a church where everyone everyone, was laying down their lives for each other, a church where each person came when they met together thinking not about themselves but about how they can love their brothers and sisters that morning, a church where we are laying down our lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you will help us to be a church that loves one another, that lays down our life for one another, where we praise you so much that you have brought us into your family, that we are your children, that you are our Heavenly Father. We thank you that we have your seed in us that enables us uh, to love others. And so we ask, Lord, that you will continue to transforming us making us more like jesus so that we will love one another and we pray this in jesus name amen